Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. Renee Rohan is a speech-language pathologist in Montgomery, Alabama, and graduate of the Start Your Private Practice program. She started her private practice on the side of her job and then gradually went part-time and then full-time in her private practice. Renee lives in an area with several other SLP private practices, but she was able to set herself apart and grow her private practice because of the huge need in her small community. In this episode, she talks about how she effectively marketed her private practice to physicians without being pushy or annoying. Because believe me, when you meet Renee, she doesn't seem to have a pushy bone in her body. She also talked about other marketing strategies that she used, like Google My Business, and how she gained word of mouth to help her grow. Another thing that Renee mentioned in this episode is how she joined the Start Your Private Practice program after participating in one of our free Plan Your Private Practice Bootcamp events. She and her husband attended our free training together and was so inspired and ready to start her private practice that together they made the decision that she would join the program. And she hasn't looked back. Depending on when you're listening to this, we do our private practice bootcamp events a few times a year. So head on over to planyourprivatepractice.com and sign up for our current or next bootcamp. Okay, time to learn how Renee started her private practice, some mistakes that she made, how she learned from them, and how her private practice has grown. Enjoy. I'm Jenna Castro-Casbon, speech-language pathologist, business coach, and creator of the Start Your Private Practice system. And I'm on a mission to turn stuck SLPs into successful private practitioners. If you're tired of dealing with high productivity requirements, high caseload sizes, and low pay, it's time to take control of your professional, personal, and financial life and finally get the freedom, flexibility, and financial abundance that you deserve by working with private clients in your own practice. Join me here each week as I share tips, best practices, and inspirational interviews on the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. If you're a private practitioner or one in the making, you're in the right place, so let's get started. So before we dive in, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? Okay, my name is Renee Rohan. I'm from Montgomery, Alabama, and the name of my practice is Encouraging Words Speech Therapy Services. Renee, you have been one of my all-time favorite Start Your Private Practice students. Oh, thank you. Well, it's true. And I have to say that one of the reasons why is because you've had to persist a bit and you've had to kind of shift gears a little bit. But no matter what, even when you were faced with a couple of obstacles, you kept going. And now your yes. practice is underway and is thriving. But it didn't start that way. 
No, it did not. It did not. So let's back up. Before we get into that, can you talk a little bit about your career as an SLP and when did you start thinking about private practice? Well, it's funny you ask when I start thinking about private practice. I knew as an undergraduate student that the long-term goal was going to be to have my own practice. A unique experience that I had as an undergraduate school, I went to a university that required us to have 60 hours of clinicals as an undergrad student before we could complete the program. So with that experience, where I really enjoyed working in the university clinic, and it wasn't night to the level of grad school. Um, I think I had maybe two or three clients that I would see once or twice a week. And over the course of two years, I was able to accumulate those 60 hours. Unfortunately, that didn't apply to my graduate school credits or anything. Well, what would have been nice, but it did give me the background to like, hey, you know, I could really see myself doing this. And that was another thing, getting the like, I've kind of had some obstacles throughout my career as an SLP. And I always ended up, my goal was to go on to grad school immediately after undergrad. But it turns out because of the shortages, I actually had to wait a year to get into a graduate program. So then I was kind of in this limbo even back then. I'm like, okay, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? And again, after that second year of grad school applications, I just like, Lord, if this is what you want me to do, you better get me into school. And so I got into school. So anyway, from that, (laughs) I knew long term that that was what I wanted to do. Um, But you know how it is being an undergraduate student. You don't really know. You don't have the big picture of what all speech does. You know, I didn't know exactly specifically if I was going to do kids or adults or whatnot. But I knew that I wanted to start from an early age. So as soon as I graduated, I actually went to work for the SNFs and I worked in SNFs for the first six years of my career. And I was miserable for the first six years of my career. And it was just, you know, I loved the adult therapy, but all of the things that went into working for the SNFs, like productivity, patient motivation, working weekends and holidays, not having I mean, earning PTO, but not being able to take that PTO when I wanted it, you know, I mean, I think I accrued close to 100 hours of PTO and I never really, I had to fight for the time to actually use it. And so I just had a lot of struggles in that, you know, it affected me emotionally, mentally, um, because, you know, in SNFs, working with a lot of residents with dementia, they have a problem, but they don't know they have a problem. And everybody that would go in there would be like for short-term rehab. I just want to walk, you know, if I can walk, I can go home, you know. And so I would, I just took a lot of emotional abuse from these residents saying like, you're stupid. You're coming in here with your questions from a swallowing aspect. Let me eat and drink what I want, which honestly, if I'm a hundred years old, leave me alone. You know, let me eat and drink what I want to eat and drink. But anyway, I could go on that and on with that. But I was very, very miserable for the first six years of my career, even to the point where I was about to give up on speech completely. Mm. And I started just exploring, okay. And I was so upset. But so I'm like, man, I've spent all this time and energy and money getting my education. And I'm just hating what I do here. And I kept applying for other positions at other facilities for like six years and just they would the interviews would be very, very positive and then they'd end up hiring another candidate. And I just felt like I was in a place where I was stuck. 
And the only way to get out would be to get out of the field of speech pathology. So about three years ago, I saw an opportunity to work with a local outpatient clinic working primarily pediatrics. And that reignited that spark for my love for speech therapy again. And just changing that population, changing the settings like, okay, this is why I wanted to do this. And again, it gave me it was a private practice. And so that kind of confirmed that, yes, this is what I want to do. And so that's kind of how I got started. Well, I love that. Right. Well, I don't love that you were miserable in the sniffs. Right. And I also had time in the sniffs. And that was also very hard. Right. I love older people. Right. Like I love. Yeah. I do. But oh my gosh, like the rug levels and all that stuff, it was a total nightmare, right? So I also was questioning like staying in the field if it was going to be like that, right? So, and I know Mm -hmm. a lot of people unfortunately get to that point, whether it's with adults or with kids where they're just like, this is not why I got into this profession, right? To be told what to do and how to treat. Like, I just want to help people. Let me help people, right? So, okay, so then you started, you know, or went over to kids, worked for a private practice. And then what happened next? What happened is basically I was taking on a lot of extra responsibility at that practice. I was I mean, I kind of call myself an unofficial manager because I was in I was placed in positions where I was having to make not only clinical decisions, because I was uh, supervising an SLPA, but I was also in a place where I had to make management decisions, business decisions, because, you know, there'd be a lot of times when the owner was not available and I would have to keep the clients happy. You know, I'd have a receptionist like, you know, I was just kind of the default person to go to. Renee, what do we do in this situation? I don't know what to do. And then the SLPA, Renee, I don't know what to do in this situation. What do we do? And so that's what kind of got me thinking, well, if I can do this for somebody else, why not just go ahead and do it for myself? And Mm -hmm. so it's funny that I was one of these. I started my practice during COVID. Then everybody's like, why do you want to do this? You know, so that's kind of what's fueled me to go ahead and start at that point. So it gave me the confidence to know I can do this. This is not some big daunting task that's without that's out of my reach. I can do this. Totally. And you were a part of a huge group of people who joined kind of toward the beginning of the pandemic, right? Like mm-hmm. listeners, when the pandemic first started, I wasn't sure what was gonna happen with my business with the independent clinician. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know. Or like, are people gonna wanna do private practice anymore? And I was really like kind of nervous that maybe, maybe this was it, right? But then the opposite happened. The interest in starting private practices has taken off since the pandemic because people are tired of putting all of their energy into their employers, right? And not being able to be in control of their professional life, of their personal life, of their financial life. And they're starting private practices. And Renee, you are one of those students who joined the program. So tell everyone, like, what kind of influenced your decision to to like to join the start program as part of your private practice journey? Well, you know, even from early in my career on Facebook, I would see your ads for the independent clinician, start your private practice. And that was always kind of in the back of my mind. I'm thinking, you know, when I was exploring my options right after I finished my CFY, I was like, yeah, this is long term, but this is not right now. I'm going to keep this in the back of my mind. So 
back in the spring of 2021, I believe you offered your first plan your private practice. Yeah, uh-huh. And it was like a week long thing where you basically took us through all the steps in module one to plan this. And I thought, okay, this is a free resource. Why not go ahead and start thinking about this? Because I mean, I was not happy at my old job either. I was much happier than I was at the SNF, but I still was not where I wanted to be in my career. And so working my way through that plan your private practice program for the first five days, I thought, you know what? This is not going to be as hard as what I think it's going to be. I can do this. And so we got on a Zoom presentation that you had, my husband and I, my husband could see that I was so excited about what I was doing. And he says, well, I want to listen with you about what this is going to involve, you know? So the two of us sat in front of the computer and listened to that last day and everything. And then you started talking about enrolling in the Start Your Private Practice program. So I'd had some money saved from my time in the sniffs. And I looked at him and I said, look, I really want to do this and I have the money to do it. So what do you think? And he's like, baby, go for it. You know, this is what you want to do. I support you 100%. You know, we have the money. I'm not worried about it. Go for it. So that's when I took the plunge and signed up. I love that. And also, it's so wonderful when spouses or partners or parents or best friends can attend these events with people because what I find is a lot of times it's the SLP or the OT who has that like self-doubt and the mm-hmm. partner is the one that's like, honey, you've been talking about doing this or like you're miserable at your job. Like I believe in mm-hmm. you. You go start your practice. So I'm so excited that you were able to to attend that event with your husband. Right. And that he was obviously mm-hmm. supportive and helped you get started. Yes. All right. So so you joined the program. And then what happened next? Well, basically, you know, during the pandemic, caseload dropped significantly because a lot of people were the parents were not sure about virtual sessions and all that stuff. So what ended up happening is the SLP was a was temporarily laid off. And then I took the caseload, which was basically a little more than a part time caseload. It was more than part time, but not full time. And I was working from home for the majority of that time. And so since I didn't have people coming into an office or anything like that, just between sessions after I would get all of my documentation done for that session, I would do a module of the program and be like, okay, step one, get the business license, you know, and then I just go step by step through that program and do like one or two steps a day, whatever I had time to do and breaking it down into those smaller tasks, especially since I had extra time during business hours, which, you know, when does that ever happen that we have extra time during business hours to actually get personal business done? That's kind of what I did. And I didn't really overdo it. And I really didn't put in a whole lot of time on the weekends. It was just like whatever I could do during those gaps in therapy Maybe a little bit on the weekend, not a whole lot. But what I'm getting at is it didn't take a whole up a whole lot of personal time away from family and the things that I wanted to do. And I just took it step by step, little by little until I got all my ducks in a row and ready to start seeing clients. I love that. And that's really the exact scenario that this program is designed for, right? I know that SLPs and OTs are busy, right? People have jobs, people have families, people have a life. And so we've created our programs to really fit into people's lives so they can do a little bit at a time and it's not super time consuming. 
let me tell you, it's a lot faster to just go step by step, watch a video, do a step than to spend Mm -hmm. like hours, weeks, years, months or whatever, trying to Google it and put it together any time yourself. You know what I mean? Okay. so, So you joined the program, you got your ducks in a row, you're ready to start. Tell everyone how you got that first client. I got that first client. I guess I could started seeing clients on the side of my regular job in January of 2020. I'm trying to get my, it's 23. So I'm getting a little confused in my head now. All right. So, in, okay. January of 2020, I guess you might say, I got all my ducks in a row. I started putting my name out there. I bought just a few marketing materials, business cards, brochures, some pens and everything. And I took them to local doctor's offices and just like, hey, I'm here. You know, I'm ready to see people. And I think word of mouth helped me just a little bit. The main thing that helped me a lot was using Google My Business. So all there is just Even though my area has a lot of speech practices, there is just a huge need for pediatric therapy, for adult therapy, because what's happening is these adults are getting behind all these kids who have been on waiting lists for months and years and stuff like that. And these adults are trying to get their life back and everything. So I could see where there was definitely a need for more. There was definitely room for me. And I just kind of followed the model that I learned from my previous employer. Just go to these offices, say, hey, I'm here. Um, I'm accepting patients, yada, 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 and leaving cards and things like that. And that's I got a lot of response from that. And then I'd even have a lot of people, parents that would find me on Google. And then I'd get these calls from these doctor's offices uh, for my first client. I got a call from a doctor's office that says, Hey, um, this parent called me asking for a referral for you, and we have never heard of you before. Tell me about yourself and tell me about your practice. So I would give them the spill. They sent the referral, and I started seeing one little girl about five years old on Fridays at my regular job. Usually I would work, do therapy all day, Monday through Thursday, and then do evaluations on Friday mornings. So Friday afternoons was pretty much free for me to do whatever I needed to do. So I started seeing that one little girl on Friday afternoons after my regular job. I love that. And that's, to me, the best way to get started. That's how I got started. That's how I teach people to get started. Because most people can't just like quit their job and then start a private practice, right? Most Mm -hmm. people, you know, need that stable income, need to keep their benefits, everything else. So that's why we teach people how to start private practices on the side of your job until you're able to shift into full-time private practice, right? So you started with that one little girl on Friday afternoons, and then what happened next? What happened next was I basically, word got around, I started marketing to people. I started going, all of these pediatricians office, because like was we were talking about before, I wanted to do adult therapy. I was not even marketing to pediatricians, You know, I was putting all of my focus on adults. So these pediatricians offices that would be contacting me and being like, hey, tell me about yourself. And they would send me stuff like, do you have a waiting list? And when I'd say no, it was like I could hear their jaw hitting the floor over the phone, you know. So then I would start to go visit those pediatricians offices, too, in addition to my adult marketing. So I actually got more referrals for 
kids. And so I got a few for adults too. I've marketed to several uh, neurologists and ENTs in my area. I think they were pretty much the only two specialties that I went to, but I think I went to like eight offices total for adults and just said, hey, you know, I just like my name's Renee. I just started my own practice. I do this and this and this. I would appreciate any referrals that you could send me if you have a need for speech therapy. And it was just like they were so surprised for me to be there. And they were just like, this is so great. I'm so happy that you're here because we don't have anybody to refer to. And especially it's just this one, I guess you could call it a local or community hospital that they contract their therapy out. They don't have in-house therapy because naturally at the bigger hospitals, they have in-house therapy versus anybody else. So when they contract their therapy out, they didn't have anybody to refer to once these patients went home. And so that was, they were just like, we, we're so glad you're here. We didn't have anybody to refer to. And the off, several office managers are like, we didn't know where we were going to send these people. So then they started sending referrals from there. Well, and see, of course, driving no. with chocolate doesn't hurt, you know. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so Claudia's truffles and driving with chocolate, that 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 doesn't hurt either. <laughs> no, you're totally right. It never hurts to, to bring some goodies for the front office staff. But listeners, as you're hearing Renee talk and you're you're realizing how important relationships are, right? How important it is to make those connections, but also like what the feedback that you are getting from these doctor's offices is, oh my goodness, we don't know where to send these people, right? We have patients who have a need, but we don't know, you know, who's open, who's available, who has a waiting list, who doesn't have a waiting list, right? So you really have an opportunity to be the answer to not only like, you know, the client's prayers, but also the providers who have these people that they care a lot about, but don't know where to send them from services. And as you're hearing Renee talk, like, Renee, you're not a pushy person. You don't sound pushy at all. Not at all. You show up, you say, hi, my name's Renee. This is who I help and how I help them. If you have anybody in mind, I don't have a waiting list. Right. And everyone was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to send you people. And that's what happened. Right. Exactly what happened. I love that. So for any listeners who started hearing Renee talk about, oh, gosh, I don't know, talking to doctors or something. But again, you can be the answer to, you know, a huge void in the market in your area of people who are going without services or who are stuck on wait lists at other facilities and who desperately need our services. Okay, you're starting to see some more clients you know, tell everybody what happened next. Okay, so then what happened is I pretty much filled up my Friday afternoons and things went pretty well. And I mean, when I say filled up my Friday afternoons, I saw maybe four or five clients on Friday afternoons. Things were going well. And then this is where I really struggled. About two or three months in, I hit a wall and I started losing clients. People who had been coming for several sessions, they just suddenly stopped coming. Now, some of them were because of life circumstances, like one mom had a baby. I had two people that moved out of state. You know, those types of situations I could understand and live with. But then people just all of a sudden stopped coming and they didn't give it offer any kind of explanation. They just would shoot me a text and be like, hey, Renee, sorry, we're not going to be back for speech therapy. And I would just respond, well, 
I'm sorry to hear that. I thoroughly enjoyed working with you. I wish you the best moving forward. May I ask why you decided to stop coming? And then it was just radio silence. So that's when my wheels started turning in my head like, okay, did I say something to offend these people? Am I doing something wrong? Are they not getting the progress that they think that they should be getting? And a lot of these people were making good progress. And so for them to just stop coming, it was just like a big question mark, like, why? Why is this happening? This was going so well. And then it just stopped. And then there was a period of time where by this time, we're starting to get into the summer months and people travel, they do activities. And by this time, this is like summer of 2020. This is when people started to think there was a break in COVID and people were starting to go out of their houses and rejoin society again. And so I just had this big drop in caseload. And I was just like, and I wasn't getting any new referrals because people weren't going to the doctors. They were out having fun and all this kind of stuff. So then I was just like, then I start, the wheels start turning my head. Okay, what did I do wrong? Where did I go wrong? Is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? And this was hard for me because right at this point, I thought that I was going to start to drop to part-time practice. And all of a sudden I had this huge drop in caseload and nobody to replace them. And this was really scary for me because as you were mentioning before, people have their jobs and their benefits and everything like that, which I didn't really have any benefits at my current job. So I was used to that, but my husband's business was not doing well because of COVID. And I've always been the breadwinner for my family. So then I go into panic mode thinking, what was I thinking by doing this? You know, even though I love it and I don't want to stop, the reality is I have to make money to support my family. And that was a really big struggle. So, you know, I would post in the group and be like, guys, what's going on? What am I doing? Why is this happening? You know, I was just so, so confused. And I thought my dreams are coming to an end right before my eyes. And I don't know how to fix it. Like just, I mean, I'm a problem solver. I'm not one of these that sits around and complains about stuff. If you present a problem, I'm going to come up with the solution. So what's the answer here? And then it was just a really just confusing time for me. And I was just like, maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. And so, of course, all you guys were great, encouraging. And you were like, I don't know what's going on. But just remember, it's summertime, you know, things might pick up by the beginning of the school year. Just hang on. It's going to be okay, you know. And in my head, I'm just like, I'm still like, it bothers me. To this day, I don't really know what happened with these people. And so then about the time that August, September rolled around, I started picking up referrals again. I did some more marketing. Um. You know, I really wanted to do a health fair, but there were no health fairs going on back then. And I just made some rounds with some more candy and some different offices. And this and back in when I was really struggling is when I was really honed into adult therapy. You know, I wasn't really marketing to children. And it was one of these things where I wasn't really turning children away, but I wasn't trying to attract children either because I was just like all about the adults. So then that's when I thought, 
well, you know what? Maybe I need to expand and really start marketing more to children. Maybe that's where the biggest need is in my area. And then once I get established, if I want to change directions later on, I can do that. But in the end, I had to, people ask me all the time, you know, what made your decision to do this as far as meaning like, what made my decision to pursue kids when that's not really what I wanted to do to start with? And my answer to them is, you just have to weigh your options about what's more important to you. Is it doing what you're passionate about clinically, or is it having that work-life balance that you don't have right now? And for me, having that work-life balance was more important to me than having just an adult-only practice. So once I took that pivot and started marketing to pediatrics is when my my practice really started to take off again. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you that's a really important lesson is to really kind of look at what does the market want, right? And what is the market need, right? And so I like that you are really open to the possibility of shifting gears a little bit and following that, right? Like Whenever you have an adult come your way, I'm sure you're going to snatch them right up and be so excited to work with an adult, right? But if if there's a greater need for a certain type of service in your area and you are willing to provide it so that you can have that work-life balance that you want through your practice, I think that's a very important thing to think about and a big decision to make. Renee, I remember when you were in the depths of despair that summer and your practice wasn't, you know, picking up and you had a lot of doubt. And we did. We kept saying, like, you know, things are going to change. It's a really weird time right now. And I'm so happy that things did change and that things took off for you. And listeners, like, this is the reality of private practice. There are ebbs and flows in the market. There are feast and famine cycles. And, you know, I would be I would be lying to you if I said that there wasn't. Right. So there will always be kind of dips in things. Right. But you have to think about, you know, what is going on in the world right now? What is going on seasonally? You know, is there a lot of illness right now and people are canceling because everyone has the flu or whatever, right? So you really have to take that perspective and think about, you know, how can I maybe shift my practice or can I offer teletherapy or what can I do differently to help support these people, right? So that you can keep your practice open and keep serving clients and also help, you know, having money come in. Yes, definitely. Cool. So then what happened? As these new referrals came back, that built my confidence a lot. And then that encouraged me to just start contacting these people again that had left, you know, because it had been, what, maybe two or three months now. And okay, mom should have baby. Baby should be able to go out in public or what have you, you know. And so all these people who, uh, except for the ones who moved out of state, obviously, who quit coming because of life circumstances, I just picked up the phone as I could see that my caseload was filling up. And I just said, hey, you know, I was just touching base with you. Um, I know it's been a while. I still have some openings. Would you be interested in um, coming back for speech? And people started coming back. And when I had two or three people to start coming back, it made me like, they really like me. They really, really like me. Yes, you know. So then that was okay. It's like, it was like, whew, I really didn't do anything wrong. It wasn't me. It was just life that was happening and everything. So I reestablished several clients and 
Two years later, those clients, same clients are still with me and they're doing well. They're making progress. So I just kind of kept on going by little by little and building my caseload. So after about a six month period, I realized it was time for me to transition to part time, that my caseload was blowing up to more than I can handle on Friday afternoons. So I needed an extra day. So I went to my boss and I told her what I was doing. And this is this was a really scary thing, which it is scary for a lot of us who are starting out like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to tell my boss? Are they going to fire me? Are they going to do this? Am I going to do that? Am I going to lose my job? Because I still need my job, even though I'm on my way out the door. I still need my job, you know. So I talked to her and I just said, seeing your growth really inspired me to take the plunge. And I want to do this on my own. And I reassured her that, you know, I'm not going to market to any of your clients. I just said there's enough work for both of us to go around. And I started taking the steps to cut back some more. So then I cut down like once I filled up Fridays, then I filled up Thursdays. And then I filled up Tuesday. So I got it to a point where I was only working at my, quote, regular job two days a week. And I was working for myself three days a week. Mm-hmm. I did that for about six months. And then in January of 22 is when I transitioned to full-time private practice. Oh, And that is such a sweet transition, right? Yes. That progression is what I did and what a lot of people do, right? You start with a client on the side. And then as that word of mouth spreads, people start hearing about you. You know, you, there's only so many hours you can do on Friday afternoon, right? Right. And so then you're like, okay, how can I reduce my hours to maybe part time? And then eventually you make that decision to go full time in your practice, which is what most people want to do anyway. It just sometimes takes people varying amounts of time to be able to get yeah. there, right? So we are recording right. this in January of 2023. So that means that you've been in full-time private practice now for a year. Congratulations. A year. Thank you. I celebrated the first anniversary. Actually, yesterday, I think, was the first second birthday of Encouraging Words. So yeah, you know. Oh my gosh. I love that. And I'm sure that you've learned a lot, you know, over the last year. What would you say that your private practice looks like these days? So I am, I still maintain that healthy work-life balance, which I love. I average, I book 40 sessions a week and two to three evaluations per week. I work just normal business hours. I'm not a morning person, so I start my day at 8.30 or 9 instead of like 7.30 or 8. So you might say I work from like 9 in the morning till 5 in the afternoon. And I still, like you said, you know, you have your peaks and valleys as far as referrals and everything, but I've gotten to where now I'm in a place where even in those valleys, when I'm not having that many referrals, I still have, I have a small waiting list. So any vacant spots that I have, I can fill them on up and maintain a steady caseload. So I pretty much work Monday through Friday, your typical 35 to 40 hours a week. And then I go home and I enjoy time with family and just doing the things that I love to do. I love that. Renee, your journey has been beautiful, right? It's been so cool to watch you get started from that initial private practice boot camp event, watching it with your husband and thinking like, you know what, honey, I think I can do this, right? 
fast forward to now where not only like have you done it, like you're doing it and you're like you're completely underway and your practice is is blossoming. And I'm so excited for you and for the clients and families that you're serving. I can honestly say that I'm probably happier in my career now than I have been since I started. This is I'm finally like even keel now. I mean, this is I'm living the dream, you know. And what amazes me is doing this this early in my career. I mean, I've been in speech for 10 years now, which those 10 years have gone by so fast, you know. And I guess as an undergrad student, I always pictured me doing this when I was in my mid-40s, early 50s, because I would be older and wiser at that age. I would have more knowledge and everything. But then, you know, starting a business in my early 30s, I mean, I started this, I was 33 when I started. I never would have thought that I would have been in my early 30s, a business owner and living the dream. And I mean, this has just been the best time of my life career-wise, definitely. Oh, I love to hear that. So listeners, if you're listening and you are struggling in your job and you're like, I love this profession, I don't like my job. Like, let me try private practice, right? Renee is a wonderful example of someone who did just that, right? You know, wasn't happy in the sniffs and then had some opportunities, decided to take them, filled up that Friday afternoon, slowly reduced your hours, then went full time. And when you've talked about being, you know, the happiest in your career and having that work life balance for your family, like, that's my goal. That's my whole reason why I'm doing this is so I can help people like you achieve that, you know, career balance, that family balance, and just that happiness, you know, in your career so that you stay in this career. There are so many SLPs and OTs out there who are thinking about leaving the profession. And how sad would that be given how much you've put into it and how good most of us are at our jobs, right? So I'm happy, mm. really happy that you stayed because look where you are now. So if any of our listeners would like to get in touch with you or look at like your website or social media or anything, where can they find you online? I am on Facebook. You can do facebook.com, of course, slash encouraging words TX. Um, like me and follow me on Facebook. I'd be glad to post. I try to post at least once a week on what's going on. My website is encouragingwordstx.com. And you can uh, you can also search for me on Google and you have my um, contact information there too as well. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for for being on the show, Renee, for sharing your journey and also for just, you know, being, you know, part of the START program and for being, again, one of my favorite students ever Aww. because of the way that you just persisted, right? Some people start yeah. and they take off right away. Some people start and they hit a little bit of a rocky road and then they have to make a decision. Am I going to stick with this? Am I committed to private practice or am I just interested in private practice? And you really proved your commitment to doing this for yourself, for your clients and your family. So, you know, keep going, Renee, because you have much more to come for you in your private practice. Thank you. Okay. Don't you just love Renee? I said it in the episode and I'll say it again, but Renee is truly one of my all-time favorite Start Your Private Practice students because she was committed to making private practice work even when she struggled to build a private caseload as quickly as she had initially hoped to. I knew that she could do it. It was like rooting for the underdog and Renee won. 
Now her private practice is flourishing and she's happy in her career and life. How great is that? If you would like to learn more about our programs and how we help support SLPs and OTs across the private practice journey, just like we helped Renee, please visit independentclinician.com. As always, thank you for listening and please tune in next week for another episode of the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.